0: This is the Journey Told Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Zanati. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination, to find the journey in every step of the road. The highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs, it's in that. It's in those moments that makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of his own. Sean Drawn is a retired NFL back. He played college football at the University of North Carolina. He signed with the Washington Redskins as an undrafted free agent in 2011. In his seven-year career, Sean Drawn played for seven different teams and spent a preseason with two different others, which is a total of nine different teams. Outside of his football career, he is also a loving and dedicated husband, a father of two amazing children, a father of a nonprofit. He's an entrepreneur. He's a real estate investor. Please help me welcome Sean to the show. Sean, thank you so much for being here.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my gosh. As I'm, like, introducing you, it's just the list goes on and on I and know. on and on and on.
1: I know. You're reminding me of stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? Isn't that crazy how life goes? Sometimes I feel like as you're pushing through life, you don't really realize all the things that you do and accomplish. That's,
1: That's right. No, you're right. You're 100% right. I mean, because you, you can get tonal vision on one thing and then, you, you know, Next thing you know, you look up and you've added another thing to your toolbox or your, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, I don't know the word, but stuff just keeps adding on as you go.
0: I want to start off with talking about um, about that about the things that have added on over your career, but starting with NFL, what was it like um, for you when you shifted from going from retired, you know, NFL player, knowing that you're going to have to retire what was the mindset like for you during that time period and how did you um, make sure or ensure you weren't in a funk and if you weren't a funk, how did you get out of it?
1: That's a tough question. Um, so in transition you mean right?
0: Yes I mean,
1: yeah so that was that, that was a tough time for me. Um, I mean having my wife and kids and my parents you know who was, have always been my support you know, being there during that time of transition um made it better. Um, but it was it still was a tough um transition for me. And I didn't realize how, you know, much it would impact me. Cause, you know, you always you never know. Like with my career, I didn't I didn't know, but I, I mentally tried to prepare for me not, you know, going past shoot, even three years, so I went, you know, seven, so when I got to seven, I'm like, man, maybe I might get to ten, but, you know, in that transition, it was a, it's like somebody dying, like, you know, I did, I played football since fourth grade, so, you know, not being able to play anymore, something that you, you know, grew up to love and, um, you know, have done all your life, uh, majority of your life, and now, you know, that, that thing is gone, it's a, I don't know, separation anxiety, a little, little depressed moments. Um and just a, a feeling of like you don't know what's next and you don't know how to fill your time because shoot, even that, you know, your time has been filled with schedules and you be here at this time, you do this at that time, and now it's up to you. And you know, what what else can fuel you like the game is, you know, really a big question. And um you know that was that was my thing but the transition was kind of kind of bumpy I mean I had some some moments um here and there but um you know I end up coming out of it um with uh you know with new things that I I like to do so you know just change of roles I mean I can go on and on about it but I hope I answered No,
0: I'm glad you you're talking about it I asked you that really because I mean My my job, I'm I'm a publicist and Mm -hmm. I've watched, you know, I've been in the PR business for sports 13 years and I've watched players, my clients, you know, no matter if it's basketball, baseball, football, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter the, the industry, I watch you all go through that. Uh, right. period and it's mm-hmm. tough for me on the other end seeing it trying to figure out how do I best facilitate how do I best mm-hmm. assist how do I best provide the support and um, I wanted to start off asking you about that because I feel mm-hmm. like it's you know so many um, players go through it I think probably I, I, I feel personally probably every player goes through it if not every yeah. player most Absolutely. and exactly. I think that the world needs to if you're not an athlete needs yeah. to understand you know, for you guys, yeah, your whole life from the time you're a little child, you know, Mm. you've been doing this one sport and then it goes away. And, um, you know, that that transition is it can be tough.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. Do you find yourself, you know, even now at times, do you do you miss it or do you still, you know, envision yourself still playing, playing the sport?
1: I tell everybody the thing I miss most was Sundays. And being around the team, the guys in the locker room, um, you know, and I still talk to some guys now, but, you know, being in that locker room atmosphere, you know, you you can't duplicate that. And that's something that you – I really miss. And, you know, watching the game, I actually don't even watch a lot of football, believe it or not. Um, I just – and I did, like, initially I did miss it a lot, but now I, I can't say that I miss Miss it. I do actually dream about it. I, I've actually had a few dreams the last couple of months. I don't know. It's it's periodic. I had dreams that um I'm on and it's crazy. It was like almost real life, like I'm on the bubble of whatever team I'm on, and they're like, Yeah, we're gonna we're probably gonna add you to the to the roster. And then I wake up before like they make cuts or before a game. And I've been having dreams, I have dreams about it, but when I wake up, it's not like, man, maybe I should go try to go back and try to play. I don't know why I'm dreaming about it, but that's it, it's actually been a dream uh, a couple times. Um, but Recently, yeah. yeah, last year. I mean, I think in the last year or two, it's actually been it's periodic that I I have that like random dream, like I'm I'm getting ready for. It's always the same thing, like I'm in like spring training or like OTAs. And I haven't made the team yet, but it's like almost I'm about to. It's close to the season or something like that. It it's the coming thing. It's the same dream every time, but maybe with a different team.
2: It's crazy. Mm,
0: that means yeah. something though. I mean, I'm not a dream specialist, but there's there's yeah. that it, you're you're having that dream for a reason. So yeah. I hope you don't ignore that. It, it's there for a reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I have I have really thought deeply about it. I mean, I, I do feel like I'm I have that dream for a reason, but haven't really, I guess, sat back and really thought about it. Um and you know, when I have dreams like that, when I when I think about it, I don't think it in regards to football. I think it in regards to life or my spiritual walk or just my next steps, if you will. Um, so I I mean I have thought about it, but I haven't thought too deeply of to as to where um it it needs to be in place you get you know what i'm saying like i don't know how that dream correlates to where i need to be in, in my stage of life right now
0: oh but you'll find out it'll come to you it'll Absolutely. come to you as it's supposed to and you're gonna say oh my gosh that's why that's why right. that was happening that's true that's how that, that's how life works now, now and when you know, when that, that right. happens you better I want to know. Come back to me right. and tell me cuz I want to it's a reason why you're having that dream and I want to know what that dream is for. I believe that.
1: I believe I I'll, I'll definitely let you know.
0: Yeah, please do. No,
1: um
0: I, I want to shift gears a little bit. I know that you're um you so you you then you, you retired. You shifted mm-hmm. from NFL to then being entrepreneur. What was that mindset like? What was it like for you to then shift from, you know, going into ter- a whole new territory? Um, how did you mentally prepare and how are you doing it and flowing through now?
1: So I, I've, I've talked about this actually the other night with a couple of friends and my wife at dinner, just, and I've talked to a couple other guys about it. Um, just like when I felt like I was going to make it in the NFL. Even when I was young, I felt like God put it on my heart. I was going to play in the NFL. Even when I got to college and um, I was playing safety at the time, on defense, and I wasn't doing well, I was like, well, was, I'm still going to make it in the NFL. I don't know how, but I'm going to get there. And that's just something that I felt like God placed on my heart. And then I was sharing the other night that I felt like I, I didn't know it was entrepreneurship then, but I felt like I w- I wouldn't really – have a traditional job, if that makes sense. Like I feel the same way I feel about football, that God plays in my heart, I feel like this the same way about entrepreneurship and never and not really having a traditional job per se. Um, so I always felt like that w- that has been there, even while I was playing football. Um, so you know with that, I actually got introduced to real estate. Um, I mean, kind of in college, but I didn't really, of course, do anything within the college, but, um, in 2013, I, I was with the Ravens and I ended up getting injured pretty, it was bad. It was like a high in the spring, but I ended up being out for like seven, eight months or so without a call. I had a workout Well, I was with the Colts for a month and then I had a workout and then I didn't get picked back up until the next year. And during that time, while I was out, I thought that was you know pretty much it, so I really started trying to prepare mentally and you know try to figure out what I wanted to do after football and I knew you know then I did kind of figure I wanted to be in real estate um and I got introduced by this guy named Jamel. He was actually my barber in college, but he was transitioning to be a real estate agent, so he ended up you know kind of introduced me to the concept of flipping the concept of rentals. Um and all that. So, you know, that kind of sparked me. And I, you know, while I was playing, you know, I I listened to a lot of podcasts. I did, you know, all types of research, just digging deep, you know, in the real estate thing. So then, you know, I kind of got into it and that next year while I was out, I got into it and I did my first flip while I was playing and uh, you know, got a taste of it, of what it could be. I didn't really I I All I knew was from the books and research and the stuff I read on the internet, all these forms and all that, that's all I knew of how to flip a house. And, you know, that's what I used to go do it. I mean, you know, you get the information and you could have sat on sideline and not use the information. I didn't know a hundred percent what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to do it. I I set out to do it and I did it. It wasn't as effective, but I did it. And, you know, just, sometimes stepping out and doing it, you'll learn, you know, by mistake and, you know, school of hard knocks, trial and error. Um, So, you know, with that, I knew real estate would kind of be what I wanted to do outside of, uh, outside of football. Um, But yeah, I mean, that, that was it.
0: So you, so you shifted gears into real estate and now you're, you're, um, you're into real estate with, and you're working alongside with your beautiful, gorgeous wife, mm-hmm. uh, but you're also an investor um, doing this. What have you learned? What's, can you kind of give some, some tips to, um, to the real estate buying process right now? And mm-hmm. um, this is a two-part question. The other part is what, how has COVID um shifted or changed the real estate industry
1: um so with the buying process right now i've always tried to find like when i first got into it i i, I was in another area it's called fedville we live right outside of raleigh which is um, the triangle raleigh durham carry <clears throat> and a lot of deals here were always like pretty high like inflated with prices because there were developers Doing you know teardowns and, and you know build building back the new construction, and I wasn't in that phase at that that point um and in Fayetteville, my guy Jamel, who introduced me, he actually started sending me some uh foreclosure stuff um and I was getting stuff from there and with my buying process, I always try to get off market deals or foreclosures which are deeply discounted properties, you know I'm not trying to buy anything that's really That's on the market, but um that was then like times times shift. And now I mean people have properties that they're just putting on the market on the MLS. When I say on the market, I mean like MLS um, that everybody can see, as opposed to like a private group of investors. And um you ever heard of wholesaler? Yes. So wholesalers, I try to I get deals from wholesalers as well. Um just for the point where it's not on MLS, it's you know a little less visible to you know the regular person, and it won't be as much competition. Um, so you know initially that was the like the way I bought, and now it's getting to where you know people are putting houses on the MLS now, and now they're being you know bid up crazy because now you're competing with homeowners who now have a shortage of in- inventory now. Now they're, you know, getting flips or houses that need a little work, but they don't mind putting the work in because there's no houses to buy right now. So now you're competing with investors and you're competing with, you know, regular uh, clientele. I mean, re- regular uh, customers, retail customers. Um, so it's a little different to buy now, but I still, you know, still get deals from wholesale. Um, and that's actually another part of the business that I kind of want to grow uh, with our stuff is doing wholesale deals. Uh, that way, I don't have to, you know, flip everything that I come across. If I come across, you know, a bunch of deals, I can, you know, sell it to another investor. Now that I don't know whether COVID had anything to do with it. If I do think it did, I mean, now you got the interest rates drop. A lot of people are buying now. The inventory is low, so co- I think COVID has something to do with that. And now that the inventory is low it's good it's good on the end but on the front end it's you're having to buy a lot higher than you want to but in the end you're getting properties bid over like I we recently sold um it sold for $25,000 over asking and you know that that stuff really just started happening maybe in like February or March where that I mean people are coming in and bidding crazy amounts over. People offering cash to buy houses It's, it's just, and I think that has something to do with COVID. Um, and now, you know, like I was talking to somebody earlier just about people are staying home now. Not a lot of people are moving for jobs um, yeah. now. So now people aren't selling their houses. So there's a shortage of inventory. And, you know, the prices are just uh, skyrocketing. So it's good for investors right now or sellers uh, so you know once we buy you know it's kind of kind of tough to buy at the right price but in the end you do shoot even minimum work to it you know you can put it on the market and it's going to sell like that um i mean so
0: is it only it, certain markets that's that's selling like that or is it a seller's market anywhere in the united states right now
1: right now it's really like that all over wow i mean it's hot right now and it's been high in raleigh Durham. I mean, even during um COVID last year, I mean, my, my wife has done very well. Um, I mean, just the interest rates got low. So a lot of people were buying, a lot of people refinancing. And um, but yeah, here, I mean, it's not, I know it's how I know it. in Charlotte, I got a couple of friends in Charlotte. Um, they say it's the same thing there. Um, I think even in California, it's like that. So I think it's all over, all over the board.
0: Do you think at some point the market will kind of just tap out, or like what 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 does this look like for if you're a buyer? What do you do? Should you wait?
1: Right. So we're we're actually our plan is to try to move. You know, in the next year or two, um, but you know, have anywhere to move, but we do want to build. Um, and I, we we're talking about this earlier because my wife actually got a listing in our in our neighborhood and somebody already did $55,000 over what they're asking. So I'm like, man, we need to put our house on the market like, <laughs> like now, but we we wouldn't have anywhere to buy, you know, we will not have anywhere to go, um, you know, unless we, you know, started building now.
0: You know, it's interesting uh, that things that's happened out of COVID, there's obviously been a lot of unfortunate bad things that have happened in regards to health and so forth for individuals. But there's been some positive things and this may Mm -hmm. be a a positive spin of how you look at look at the real estate market. What you're saying is across the board, across the United States, it's booming.
1: Not anytime soon because in the builder world, like track builders and developers, they can't build them fast enough. They can't build them actually at all what I'm not gonna say at all but it's taking like six to nine months to build a house new construction right now and it usually takes like pre-COVID is like 90 days if that 60 days sometimes if you're you know a pretty heavy uh, track builder but it's taking like six to nine months because a lot of things are um backed up like resin like resin and um the stuff they use in PVC pipe stuff they use in uh, to make windows, um, you know, some most windows are made for PVC, stuff in um, OSB sheathing, which is basically the size for, and the floors of a house, that's on, that's backed up. And now you're gonna start seeing um, shortages of uh, air-conditioned ducts. Um, so, and then windows, if you order windows today, it'll probably be mm, end of July, 1st of August before you even get them. So that's that's the thing about, you know, whether it'll pop or not. I don't know if it'll necessarily pop. It's just a matter of the inventory is just low. So people are just bidding to try to get houses. So, you know, I don't think the value of houses will go down. I think the value is just continue to increase. They're just increasing faster because they, I mean, they increase every year but it's just increasing at a, a higher rate right now.
0: Basically, if you're a buyer uh, right now, should you just, what do you tap in right now or do you, should you wait or what's your advice?
1: That's the thing too. Like you don't, it depends because if you're a buyer right now, and I was talking about this earlier as well, if you're a buyer right now, if you bid over, initially it may not, Appraise, but if one or two more houses near that mile or two whatever in the area um end up selling for around the same thing now the values are what they sold for um but in that you still have to, I, in my opinion you have to wait another year or two before you can make money uh, when you sell so if you're going to try to play the long game and wait for appreciation then I mean, being a buyer and if you have the cash to bid against people who are putting 20, 30, $50,000 worth of due diligence down, you know, on a property, then for an investor buying right now, in my opinion, isn't really the best thing to do. But for a buyer who just wants to buy, I mean, it, I think it's, it's OK. I mean, I wouldn't say not to. Before an investor, I don't think you can make a lot of money buying.
0: Have you done a deal that just went sour? Have you ever done a deal that just didn't didn't go well with real estate? When I
1: first got into real estate, and you know, this is when I was trying to do three different types of real estate. I was trying to do buying holds, wholesaling, and flipping, and I didn't know a hundred percent. I mean, I knew how to. I knew the concept of buying and holding. So this is what we were trying to do. And there was, uh, I think it was seven duplex, seven duplexes. So it was like 14 units that my good friend and I were trying to buy in um, this Goldsboro, North Carolina. And the numbers worked; like the numbers were, it was a home run pretty much. And then we got into it and we, they had an appraisal done, but we didn't get like official inspections. And so we got into it. We ended up, you know, getting like seller financing initially. But then we're trying to get permanent financing from bank. And then we try to get the inspections and inspections just came back like. Well, I don't know what we got into, but we, you know, had already put money into it and then trying to work with the actual seller. He was being difficult. And then, you know, eventually the town actually condemned them because they were that bad. Um, I mean, you had like the people were running over the sewer caps in the front yard. So you got sewage seeping in the yard, holes in the floors and leaks everywhere. You got mold. So anything you can nail would probably, probably happen on that property. So we had put money into it and basically couldn't get the money out because we couldn't sell it. Um, cause they ended up condemning the property. So it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was the deal that you know kind of put a bad taste in my mouth on that side but you know I know again I just I learned something from it so not to say that I you know won't go back because I definitely want to get into that arena but I just know how to move forward with you know those type of deals
0: share some tips with that how do you um when bad things happen with in business uh Mm -hmm. for example you know what you just mentioned how do you stay positive how do you say okay this was a life lesson this was experience yeah. and this was not a bad deal let me go the other way and not recircle back to it
1: mentally for me i'm i'm very like i'm not gonna say risky my wife would call me risky. she's more conservative you know she she wouldn't do some of the things that i do um but when you understand it and you see potential and you know like okay i know this can work if you do x y and z um you know it's easier to stay positive um and that i think that again it comes with learning making mistakes and you know really educating yourself on the subject um and i i just know the power of real estate and i know what i know so if i go you know keep pushing forward i know the things that I want to happen will happen. So it's easier for me to stay positive in those situations. And also don't do a lot of that, this now, but I was using my own money back then. Um, but now again, this is something I picked up along the way. And I knew then, but I didn't want to use other people's money. I I knew about hard money, private lenders and, you know, th- those type of things. Um, but I wanted to go out and venture out and, Say I did it with my own money. I wasn't scared. I jumped out and I made money um, by doing so. But then on this, that deal, like we were just talking about, I lost my money. So, you know, it wasn't, it was stressful that I lost the money, but it wasn't anybody else's money. So I, you know, I didn't get a bad reputation for losing somebody else's money. Um, So that was a positive, you know, um, if you want to look at it that way, I did, you know, so that that's, in my opinion, that's how I stay positive.
0: Can you give some advice to someone who may be listening or watching? How do you use someone else's money? Somebody may be saying, Hey, I need to save for my down payment. I have to use my own money. And that's the way they've been taught to, yeah. um, acquire property and real estate. Can you give advice and give some tips on how you get going and using someone else's money to get in the real estate game?
1: Before it was hard to get hard money. That's why they called it hard money. And it's with hard money. It's not a traditional bank. It's like a bunch of, uh, basically an investor has a pool of money for, from private investors who are getting a return. So he's deploying their capital to investors to make a return. So say he's getting their money. Um, he's paying them 8%. He's going to charge me 11% and make his three. Um, you know that's just the concept, right? And in order to get that money, I don't know about now because I have an investor which I'm blessed to have who you know doesn't look at a bunch of different stuff that he would in a regular investor. But you typically need, of course, a business, you need to have be incorporated somehow. Um, because with that type of money, they can't lend to they can't lend personally, it has to be to a business, um, and somewhat have experienced like one or two deals under your belt they look at that um and if you don't have the experience you can partner with someone who does um has the experience to in order to qualify to get the loans from a hard money or a private um, private investor um and then too there are people like me and you who don't want to do real estate that, but they believe in real estate and they. Um, they want to lend that money and make a return instead of putting it in the stock market or just a traditional 401k, which they can actually pull from that 401k to lend to you on a deal and you pay them a a return. There's plenty of people that is like that. I have a, um, a few people who are actually going to lend on my next deal who are doing that, they um, borrowing from that 401k, they're giving me the money. And then I'm paying them a return. Um, so, again, like with me, it, it came to where I was just, I'm putting it out, like, kind of social media is word of mouth instead of, and I heard somebody say, like, don't ask for money. You show them what you can do and people will come to you wanting to give you the money. Uh, and that's really what happened. And, you know, I have private investors and I have hard money. Um, and this is how I'm not using my own money, um, to do deals.
0: So do you offer those same investors to other people or do you kind of hold your investors to you? And they're like, it's like your secret. I don't, you know, you're your. sure. <laughs> your, I don't want to say your secret, but yeah, that's your, um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's your, uh, yeah, I guess it's your, yeah, it's my, your, my little, your my little bag. it's your, yeah that's, yeah, that's for you. No,
1: I mean, if they want to lend their money, that's up to them. Like, I, I mean. I was sharing. I wouldn't want to give people personally like their information unless yeah. I ran it by them, of course. But yeah, I mean, if they're doing this with other people as well, so um, I'm not the only one. But the and this is with the private investors. Uh, but with the hard money guy, I mean, they're that, just like a traditional hard money, like a not an institution because they're not. But they loan to the people. They have uh, a portfolio, I think, for like. 14 or 18 million so they have plenty of money to go around um so with them is with them the only reason i have two types of investors is because the hard money costs a little more um and then the private investors you know you can you know get away with paying a little less in interest um but with hard money and i don't know you know you're familiar but i explained like hard money if you get if you get a loan, you have to pay pay points, which is basically a percentage of the loan, the total loan. Then you have to pay the monthly interest um, of your total loan. Um, And then you have to pay like every time you want to draw for your rehab funds, you have to pay a few hundred dollars for that. So that costs add up. But if it's a deal that has a lot of spread in it, you can go with that because you can afford to lose a little equity, um, and, you know, put into the deal. Um, but on a smaller deal, you can use a private investor where you're only paying, you're not paying points. You're not paying, uh, um, like origination fees and you're not paying, uh, draw fees on a rehab. You get all of that money. This is how I try to do it. You get all of that money in one Lump sum, and you only pay interest on that total amount monthly. Hmm. So that's how I do with my provident. So that's the difference between a private investor or a private lender, as opposed to a hard money lender.
0: You can these deals be deal a deal that you actually can it be your actual residence that you live in, or does it have to no? Be see, that's why you have
1: to do, remember I said you got to have a business. They can't loan the personal.
0: Oh, that's right. You said that.
1: Okay. Yeah, but you can do a, a, um investment property like a rental property. Mm, okay. So a lot of people are doing, a lot of hard money guys are, are getting over to that side because a lot of um, investors or entrepreneurs, they don't necessarily have those two years of tax returns like you have to present to a traditional bank. You pay a little more interest, but once you have it Rent it out for typically it's a seasoning period of six months that the traditional banks want to see. So once you rent it out for six months, now you can go to the bank and say, look, I have this um this cash flowing asset that I want to refinance. So then you go cash, you go refinance at a higher amount, then you can pay your hard money investors back. And you can take cash out, so right. Do you can use that hard money to get you know traditional financing for like a rental property, but you can't use it uh, for personal. To ask your question.
0: Got it. That's awesome. That's great information. Do you are you do you offer that resource to clients? Is it, what's an advantage of utilizing your business your services for your real estate?
1: So right now I'm actually not teaching it. Um, I mean, I've been thinking about it because a lot of people have been asking me like, you know, how to get started. And I get a lot of people, you know, want to do lunch and dinner and talk about it. Um, But what I said that I may start doing is partnering with partnering with people who want to get into it. And, you know, I'll kind of walk them through everything that I do on the deal. But we share, I don't know, in the in the profit or whatever. Um, and that way I'm helping them out. I'm not wasting my time because Mm -hmm. people say they want to do stuff all day, but when it gets in the thick of stuff, it's kind of like, you know, and then you will probably have to end up taking on the job anyway. So, um, if you're going to be in it, you might as well, you know, get some of the the equity or the profit that is going to happen. So I haven't gotten that far to where I'm like teaching it, but you know, it's something I'm passionate about, and I, I love to talk about it. But you know, at this point, I haven't got to teaching it, and I do want to. You know, I th- I did think about doing like some deals like that with people.
0: I think you should. I think it's um, if anything, if this is something, if it's you know, kind of ticking in your brain coming out of this yeah. podcast, right? I think it could be a great resource for people um to utilize that. It could be a great service offering. Mm-hmm. Not that not could. doing it for everybody, but for the right person. I think, you know, trusting right your gut. Yeah. Right. And following that gut intuition. And it could be another avenue, another revenue stream for you uh, that you're obviously, you know, vested in and you know what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. yep, I agree with that. I appreciate that.
0: I know that you recently started a food cook-off challenge with other NFL players. How did that start? Um, who's been part of the challenge and who's winning and, you know, what have the your NFL player friends along with yourself been cooking up?
1: Um, So really we need to make it an official challenge, right? Okay. So I've always cooked, right? It's, it's kind of one of my, other things that I like to do, but my wife recently got me a Traeger grill that I've been wanting for years. I just didn't want to spend the money on it. First of all, it was a smaller grill. They didn't, they had, they didn't even have the big one that I have now, so I didn't want to pay that amount of money for a small grill. Um, so if I was going to get one, it was going to be worth the money that I spent. So we were in Costco the other day, and my wife got me a Traeger, so now I've been going crazy. Um, so the other night when I was posting about it, so my guy who was with college teammates, EJ Wilson, he, he's been avid about it. Um, Eric Ebron, uh, Trey Boston. He, I think he was on it. My boy, Kevin Reddick, um, who has a couple of other guys has been. Just, they'll they'll put stuff on the grill and then they tag is like, where you at? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, the other night, I, I was just supposed to, I ain't even tagged them. I, I don't think on the first one. On the second video, I, I just tagged them. And then Eric uh, was already, I guess he was cooking something up. So he added it. He uh, chimed in and tagged me. And then they didn't know I had something else cooking up. And then I told them I had to end the challenge. I was, because uh, I was smoking some short ribs. And then uh end up have I was making some oysters too. So I oh, grilled wow. some oysters and I told him I had to shut the shut the challenge down and kill him with the oysters.
0: <laughs> so who's the, who's winning? Who's the judge of this challenge amongst all of you guys?
1: I, I, I'm judging myself. I'm, I'm definitely winning at this point. I, I broke out the oysters the other night. It was it was a dub automatically. I, I didn't get a response. I didn't get no uh, any pushback. So I'd say I t- silence is a is a uh, a deafening yes that I won. So I'm, I'm crowning myself the champ right now until until further notice.
0: Okay, I like the sound of that. So clearly you have a passion for cooking. What What's the end goal of this? Like what's the, if you could kind of click your heels in a perfect world, would you, would it be a cooking show for you?
1: Maybe. I actually toy with the idea because I um I I go out to eat with Willie Parker and a couple of other of my friends um at this at this steakhouse and we you know you just talk about business talk about life and and we always talking about what what each other cook. Uh Willie, he doesn't really post what he cooks on on Instagram, but we talk about it, you know, through text and we kind of kicked around the idea like, bro, what if we did a cooking show? Um, of you know, us, you know, just some recipes that we like to do. We both do it, then we, you know, kind of interview people, you know, during our, our cooking segments. So it's, you know, just about the food that we like to eat, and then you know, bring on other people, kind of like what you're doing, and just talking about talking about life, um, and you know, their interests and what they're doing, and you know, just sharing our passion that we like to cook, and you know, sharing our life, a part of our life. You know, with people who may and may not be interested. You know,
0: I so, think
1: that's a great idea. So, are you th- is that what you're thinking of doing? It's so much that goes in my brain. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, that's yeah. That's one of the things I actually want to do, but um, haven't really got far out there with that yet. It's kind of just, you know, we're still talking about it, talking about it. But uh, and we t- we we actually reached out, Willie's not his manager, but one of his good friends who, you know, kind of take care of some business and stuff, reached out to a guy about doing like a little mini series. Um, But the cost to do it was just like astronomical. So we were like, man, we can just do it, get a nice, we got cameras and stuff, but just be the right person to kind of help us out and, and do a little mini series, get some interest. And then, you know, kind of go from there.
0: You know, speaking of your brain, you said you have your brain, you know, you go through your brain ticks. What Mm -hmm. what makes your brain tick? Uh, What what is your mindset like? What are you passionate about?
1: I'm very passionate about my family. Very passionate about being the leader of my house, uh, leading them spiritually, um, just emotionally. And, you know, just being that husband and father that, you know who will definitely like even what they're going through out their day, like not, not like I'm Jesus or anything, but like, what would dad do? Or what did dad say? What type of advice did he give me? What type of advice did my husband give me? Um, I, you know, try to set the example, you know, try to be the, the right example for my kids, and, you know, cause I, I had a great example in my father and my mom. Um, so, you know, I try to, I want to keep that going and I want to be, that person for my kids and my and my wife um and those closest around me i'm constantly thinking about like that i was i present today was i did i play enough of my kids i know they you know they have their time they like to watch tv and do whatever but i make sure that you know i do something with them they love to fight they they want daddy to fight them all like, right every other night that's their thing. And, you know, I try to make sure that I'm doing something, you know, to that effect and, you know, just spend the time with my wife, who I love and adore and want to be around all the time and make sure that I'm, you know, doing devotion or just spending some time with her. And, you know, we don't get to do devotion every night religiously, but, you know, I try to make a point to make sure that I get that time in with her um, as well. So that's like every day, that's like my concern or worry to make sure that I put that time in, that that right time in with my my family um, on that side. And, uh, you know, just being outside of that, just being financially free, being a good friend, having fun in life and doing the things I like
0: to do. I just love that answer. That was so beautiful. Um, it's amazing to hear how much you love your family, adore your, your wife and your children. It it leads me to ask you something I just thought of as you were talking. Um, During COVID, I, 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 as I've been doing this show and talking to people, and I know that we're shifting out of COVID at this point and states are opening up and so forth, but I've talked to some people who, um, you know, their relationship has gotten better during COVID mm-hmm. and some that it, 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 it did not flow so well during COVID, some who've had right. to learn how to readjust and learn patterns differently, you know, obviously under right. different situations. What was that like for you and your family, um, you and your wife, especially cause you guys also work together too. Um, was Was it a challenge? Was it a breeze or, you know, what What was that like? What was the quarantine conditions like for you guys? If you don't mind sharing.
1: I mean, we we have been around each other like all the time since I can remember. So it really wasn't anything new other than we had to make sure that the kids were doing their work during quarantine. So that was really the biggest challenge, like us spending time together, like who wouldn't want to, you know, spend time with each other and the kids and, and, you know, us or whatever. But the biggest challenge was the kids and, you know, trying to make sure they kept up with my school, their school. My son, he's just, (laughs) <laughs> He's all over the place. He's sick. So, you know, having him it was in kindergarten at the time, having him, you know, just stay on track was the biggest thing. But then we end up, we knew like both of us was busy. Like we work together, but we don't I mean Shonda, she has, you know, clients, you know, outside of what we do. Um, but then I'm doing, you know, flips and stuff and staying busy there. So we were going all the time. So we couldn't really be at home with the kids so we had to end up putting them in a uh, private school so that they can go back to school um during the pandemic uh, which actually turned out to be a blessing because they they're learning crazy stuff I, I can't even I can barely help my daughter with her homework <laughs> this type of yeah. stuff they're doing. and um they come home talking about all the stuff they learned and you know so it, it was a you know, us being around each other, it has always been like that. So it you know, wasn't anything new other than the school portion.
0: You know, you guys seem to just fit so well, uh, you and your wife. What do you attribute that to? What kind of advice can you give to someone else? How do you find? How do you find your love? How did you realize she was the one?
1: It's, it's an easy answer for me because it's been the same since the first person asked me. Like we. And we initially we met like over Facebook, like in 2006 when they first started allowing. I guess you had to have a college email in order to get on Facebook. So yeah. we had we had this thing called C tops, which is basically freshman orientation. And as soon as they gave us our college email, we started adding everybody that we could find that was going to UNC. So we initially met there, but um, we and we didn't meet at orientation we met at a party freshman year like during the okay. i don't know it was early during the fall or the summer but we ended up meeting but we didn't start dating because she had a boyfriend I had a girlfriend and mm-hmm. we always uh like towards the end of our college groups would get with each other and pretty much talk about our relationship and uh then i end up um we end up talking um and then we end up just hitting off we realized we liked each other, uh, more than what we thought we would have. Um, and then from there, I mean, I tell everybody the same. I knew she was the one because I never ever got tired of being around her at all. Like the first time I could ever say that <laughs> about anybody. Um, I never, and to this day, I don't get tired of being around her. And I think we, um, I think we're figuring out kind of why we we're like that. And like early on, we, Not really like super talkative. She's coming in here. No, is she gonna
0: join us or no? She's just walking in.
1: I think she was working. She's just coming to get us. Oh,
0: we were just talking about you. I was just asking about your your beautiful relationship. You should, if you can hear your husband, if you were a fly on the wall and you can hear how beautiful he talks about you and your children and your family and being the leader of your household, sister to sister, honey.
2: I appreciate it. It's
0: beautiful. Yes. I
2: got got a good
0: one. Yes. (laughs) And I was just asking him before you walked in, I said, when did you know, how did he know you were the one? And he was just answering that. Um, I don't know if you heard him, but if you did, it was, it was beautiful. Yes.
2: Yes. Um, it's the same we had, we definitely, we've got a lot of similarities. Um, and we have
0: definitely some
2: differences too, but he's always just kind of been i mean for real like my best friend and i think that you know he feels the same way about about me and um we do we spend a lot of time together and it's never really an issue mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So now that you've just joined a minute, can you give some advice to the viewers and listeners who are out there who may, you know, married, who, who are married, what's the key to longevity? I mean, you two are happy. You just, you enjoy being in each other's company. You have been together for a long time. What's the key to that? What What would you say that is?
1: Well, I, I would say to count, not backtrack, but somebody's, else's reason for them knowing that their their wife or a spouse spouse uh, was the one doesn't have to be the same reason that you uh you know say this is the person that I want to be with it what I don't know I can't tell you like what to feel but I think you just know and that was my reason and to this day still is my reason other than you know she's a great person I mean she. Like I said, we butted heads, but we also are kind of similar. Uh, so we kind of balance each other out. Um, but the key to longevity, I would say, is just, you know, keep spending time. Uh, make sure that your time with your spouse is priority. Um, and, you know, also give each other space. And also learn how to communicate. Because she's a, she's a planner. And I'm kind of a, I told you, I'm I'm like the risky mindset type of guy. So I kind of go,
0: yeah.
1: you know, as I, I don't really talk a lot about what I want to do. I just do it. And that got on her nerves, like when we first started talking. So initially I was like, man, I got to tell you like my, I don't have a plan. So what, what am I going to tell you? But now that I know she is like that, I have to adjust and adjust to what she likes and not just brush it off like well you are just crazy I ain't, I ain't doing all that so just so being the, able to adjust and sacrifice the, yeah. you know your own comfort for your wife or husband and
2: I think like kind of to follow up on that is that I needed to learn and you know I think Sean the same way we needed to really understand that we're on the same team right so when he does something that I don't like or I don't agree with or that irritates me. Um, I have to realize that he's not doing that to hurt me or to get on my nerves or, you know, whatever. And I think that e- even like little things, like we talk about, I don't know,
1: closing the, cabinet closing the
2: cabinets or, you know, leaving trash, some, you know, anything. Um, but I, I need to realize or I needed to realize, and I do, I think much better at that now is just that like, he's not doing that to bother me. Right. And I think that a lot of relationships, you just feel like the other person is doing something just to get on your nerves. Um, and a lot of, I feel like a lot of my friends relationships have ended or, you know, been not so great relationships because they feel like somebody is doing something intentionally to, to, to bother them or, you know, regardless of what they're saying, um, they do it anyway. And so, you know, I just think that, that would be yeah. a key for And when you don't
1: talk about it, you're gonna feel that way. Like, if we never mm-hmm. talked about the fact that, hey, I'm not doing anything, you know, your there is just something I'm not even thinking about. I'm going to get salt and pepper and I just don't close the cabinet. So that's, you know, I'm not saying I'm leave this open guy. I know this is going to, be- something yes, he
0: does. you know what I mean <laughs> but how, how long did it take did you guys go through therapy or did someone an outside was it like how did you know how did you get there or or did it did this just come naturally or how you know, how did this come it. about
1: I had to, say
2: it again you in the did. name okay. of Jesus
1: I had to lay hands on him no he didn't we've
2: never we've never done therapy um you know I I think that again I'm a a big, like, let's have an adult conversation. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about something. Um, well, I'm like that when he gets on my nerves, but when I get on his nerves, (laughs) it's not, it's not, I'm not as vocal. Um, but I think that, you know, we've been married seven years. Um, and we've had a lot of, you know, at the beginning, we didn't communicate very well. And, um, we've had a lot of like tougher conversations are just like real hey I need to have I need you to understand what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and you know uh, what's bothering me and we've had to learn how to you know not be defensive about somebody else's feelings and just really sit down and understand Um, I still you know I'm I'm not against therapy I think that you know, or counseling. I think that it's a a good idea, um, especially before you get married, just to have these conversations that, you know, I feel like we learned or we had to have a couple years into it. Um, but,
1: But I think real life situations are really the real therapy. You just have to be willing to address this situation when it comes about, because in therapy, you can say, well, when this happens, I'm not going to do that. Oh, I'm going to do this. You don't know what you're going to do when the bullets start flying. So real life is really the teacher. And being able to talk through those real life moments is really what what makes you um, either flourish or...
0: You know. How do you dive deep? How do you individually? How do you guys dive deep? You know, internally to stay grounded. Uh, how do you give to yourselves individually so that you're able to give to your to each other collectively and to your children? Um, <laughs> how, how, how have you guys learned to do that? She
1: knows, like I'm, I'm kind of my dad, um, and he loves like some me time. Ain't nothing like me time to him, but I like spending time but I also like my me time and I think you know early on and I didn't mention it but when I first stopped playing like I was going through these moves like I just wanted to be alone I didn't know that but I just wanted to be alone me and me and my guitar that was my therapy playing the guitar, that was my therapy but I didn't realize it until one morning we got into it I didn't realize it until one morning I was playing the guitar. This is maybe before church or something. And Shonda came in the room where I was, and was like, are you gonna, what do you say? Are you gonna help clean it up or are you gonna help with the kids or something like that? And I lost it. I was like, Look, I don't do nothing right here. All I wanna do is play. I'll just play my guitar and, oh, I just, what did I say? I, I just stormed out the room past her. It was like, whatever she wanted me to do, I started doing.
2: And I didn't realize
1: like some stuff was building up. Right. And, and that was just the moment.
0: It wasn't it's even about day. her. It was, yeah.
1: It Yeah. And you're yeah, messing saying. with me and my me time and my yeah. therapy right now. And I yeah. didn't realize that until after the fact, but we talked about that. Um, but I think, like you said, those are the things that, I mean, I have with golf and, guitar and really those are my only like top two things that I like look when I'm wanting when I want to do that I want to do that like it's not a bunch of times that I'm doing it so when I do it I want that to be my time your time um and I think just giving yourself that time and realizing what your therapy is and having that kind of keeps you grounded and keeps you want to feed into your wife and your kids and again like like I said earlier this is my my thing is I want to be able to feed into my wife I want to be able to pour into my kids and that's that's priority as well um but you know like you said there's you know you got to learn your your things
2: yeah I mean I think that I think we do a pretty good job of like giving each other time like I have a good group of girlfriends and Sean you know whether they're here or um we go to dinner or you know whatever Mm -hmm. it is um that's kind of just like my time I do work quite quite a bit um so I get a lot of alone time or time that's away from the kids and Sean and and that sort of thing But, and to be honest with you, like, I'd like to spend most of my free time with Sean. You know, you guys uh, are so uh, sweet. (laughs) You both said the same
0: thing. He said that about you too. And you weren't even in the um, room. He said, that's so beautiful. um, (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think that's so beautiful.
2: So we do a lot of like traveling. We make it, you know, we, we are intentional about dating and our trips and, um, you know, just really kind of enjoying each other on vacation or whatever it is so um, you know we 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 do get our our time apart or our time you know away but ultimately i think that we really feed off of each Each other and even if we're not like we can sit we talk about this like we can sit in a car from here to dc where my sister lives for four hours and not say a word and still just really enjoy the fact that we're together Mm -hmm. Um, I know, it sounds so
0: cool. That's so beautiful. You know what? Because what it sounds like to me is you guys really, you, What it, the basis of everything is your love, but but honestly, your friendship.
2: Mm, you yeah. guys
0: really love each other. You love the being of each other. You yeah. love the friendship of each other. And I think if, if you, when you have it at the core, it doesn't matter what happens in the world because yeah. you love that person right. no matter what. Right. That's beautiful.
1: And- and believe it or not, that was actually something that we thought was going
2: to be a problem. Problem.
1: Because we, mm. like you said, we rode, this was in college, though. We rode all the way to the sister's house. We didn't really say a whole lot. I had, <laughs> this is back in the day, I had a, yeah. uh, a DVD player that flipped out. <laughs> and we played Martin the whole way. Yeah. We watched Martin the whole way. We didn't really say a whole lot. But then we had to, because I'm like. Does she really like me or she she, decided, she was thinking the same thing? Like, like
2: why don't we have anything like why we to, we talk to talk about? It. But then we realize, like, we spend a lot of time together. Well, we really? are experiencing the same things as, at the same yeah. time. So we're not coming, you know, we're not coming together and then talking about our days. Um, but now that we do spend some more time, you know, apart and we're both working and we're both kind of out of the house and mm. the kids are getting older and doing things, you know, we're able to have more conversation and more things to just chat in general about. Um, so that's nice, but it's, we still can very much just sit with each other and not have <laughs> much to, worse, much to say.
1: Long as long ah. as she touching me.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so beautiful. I would like to wrap up uh, this segment with um, with what I call tell and tell, which is a play on the word show and tell. What is something that you can tell us about yourselves that the world does not know? Um, It could be maybe your morning routine, maybe something I don't know you guys do as a family. I'm just throwing some things out there. um, I would need you to tell me, but something you're you're open to sharing uh, that you would like the world to know now. (laughs)
2: it's <laughs> just like everybody knows everybody everything.
1: knows like, social media lets
2: everybody know everything right what about your I mean, morning routine have, like, do you have
0: a special do you have a morning routine that you do every day that you can share then give give people an idea of what that may be and take them into that world
1: so our goal routine <laughs> is to get up in the morning work out, Still you work know hard. devotion get your day going get the kids ready take them to school and then start your day mm-hmm. um And we've actually, we have this challenge going on right now with some of her friends, my friends, Um, a 20-day challenge where, you know, we're eating good, we got a good diet, no alcohol, no refined sugar, no bread. Um, Read you at least one scripture a day, drink your water, you got to exercise 45 minutes a day and walk at least a mile, walk or jog a mile a day. Um, So that's actually been our routine the last nine days.
2: We're on day nine. We're on day nine
1: now. Um, so that's our routine. So we did that to try to help build a routine also help myself, um, you know, just have some accountability partners, um, to help that routine that we initially had kind of be, uh, a natural discipline, um, from here on out. So, but she's been getting up early than I have. She's been getting up at 445 she goes and work out, work out with her friend. Um,
2: we do a five 30 workout class. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's hard to get up at four 45, but yeah. um, we beneficial. And I feel like, you know, I get so much more done. I'm able to, you know, as far as like, I can spend a little bit of time with the kids in the morning, we can take them to school everybody's on time. We get to have like, you know, just some conversation and it's not um, it's, it's, being proactive right. versus being reactive, reactive. and right. so you know, we I get up early. I'm able to get my workout in, and I'm not so like rushed. frustrated and rushed yeah. in the morning. You know, when I'm when we're trying to help the kids get themselves together and then get to school or to camp or whatever it is. So um, I'm a big I'm a big proponent proponent of five a.m.
1: Yeah, yeah, AC, <laughs> ACT words <laughs>
2: um, of like. Um, <laughs> The, the the early mornings. Um that would kind of be, I guess, my yeah, my secret to success.
1: So working out, devotion, spending a little time before you get your day going and then you get your day going.
0: Well, that is wonderful. I mean, it sounds like you guys are just on the right track. You have accountability partners. You have a friend group going on. If someone is interested in joining you on your journey, being part of your business, wanting to just contact you, what is the best way for them to go about doing that?
2: Uh, Well, I am um, the Triangles Housewife on all social media media platforms. Um, So Instagram, Facebook, that's pretty much how you'll get in touch with me. I'm also pretty
1: easy to look up, just Shonda Drone. And I am Sean underscore Drone on Instagram. And then I have the business page, which is Highly Favored Solutions, LLC, on Instagram as well. That's the business page. And I have the business page, which is Highly Favored Solutions, LLC, on Instagram as well. That's the business page. Follow us on our little, little journey.
0: Well, I will be following in your journey. Your journey is not little. It sounds massive to me. I've been <laughs> so impressed from your relationship to the real estate component to the cook-off challenge. And I'm going to speak into existence, your cooking show. Right. Um, I think everything is just amazing. So thank you both for being on this show and being on this podcast. I think you both are amazing. Your energy is amazing. And know, I really enjoyed this.
1: Likewise. You you actually remind me of uh, one of our college classmates real Oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah just that same like y'all got that big smile and like the way you and she's a journalist as well so she's in that same field so you guys kind of have a, a similar personality but great spirit uh, great questions great conversation and i appreciate you
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate you both for being here. Well, that is it for this episode of the Journey Toll podcast. I'm going to leave you with words that my father so often said to me, and that's to be the best version of you that you can be. Until next time, folks, let that
2: sizzle in your spirit.